Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome to Crime Wives. That's annoying when I say it, but <laughs> here you are. <laughs> I gotta like come up with like a tune or something like, no, I'm not even gonna I think you already have one. Crime I think you, you have it down. Yeah, probably I'm just gonna stick to Hi guys, welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Veronica. <laughs> and I'm your host, Destiny. And uh, how's it going? How's everybody doing today? <laughs> Are you talking to me or talking to them? You're everybody. Okay. And them. It's a good compliment to have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm doing good. I yeah. went to the beach last weekend. The dogs woke us up at like 5.30. The dogs at the beach? There was, yeah, like my sister-in-law brought her puppy and then Alex's cousin brought her puppy. So there was like two six-month-old super energetic medium-sized dogs going insane yep yep so they woke us up at like 5 30 and me and his cousin went to bed at like midnight and we were sleeping we slept on the couch we're like well we'll take one for the team and we want to stay up later than everybody so we're gonna sleep on the couch uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. so we were up drinking until like midnight then these dogs wake us up and we're like oh Oh my god (laughs) and so then we took him to the beach walked on the beach for like 45 minutes um so my hangover finally hit in and then i was like i need water coffee i don't know i need something i need to be alive um and then i I hate that feeling yeah it was it was nice yeah yeah and then talking to the officiant tomorrow so getting all of that squared away oh it's getting real that's why destiny is instantly talking about other things that don't have anything to do with wedding (laughs) because i literally i think it was when did i talk to you monday i mean we talk a lot when did we talk about what wedding uh yesterday yesterday? that was definitely yesterday we wait no yesterday was bachelorette party i think it was yesterday i don't know (laughs) in the last two no it was for sure yesterday because i was at work and i had a lot to do at work and then i'm like getting these text messages i'm getting these calls uh and it was from like multiple people and I'm just like, I'm going to break down. I'm going to have a mental breakdown. And then, like, Jake would walk in my office. I'd be like, do you need something? Like, why like, are you looking at? He's like, um, I was you saying hello. Yeah. And I was like, we'll go. Breathe somewhere else. <laughs> Basically. Sorry, Jake. Um, but, yeah, I mean. It's kind of fun, though, that you aren't married yet and that we're we started this before you get married because for anyone that ever gets married this is a live week by week update for him like when we first started you know you were like woo he's almost here and now you're like it's almost here <laughs> exactly and so not everybody's gonna be like me though not everybody's gonna procrastinate yeah no I was definitely my wedding was planned six months before like, I was like alright here we go yeah <laughs> so. and mine is like last minute so I will be proof that even if you wait last minute it'll continue to go smoothly but I you, keep telling you, you every, will be stressed. Uh huh. But I think you're stressed no matter what. Oh, you're. Like, I remember no you. <laughs> I was stressed. Yes. I mean, people are listening. Like, hi, I'm here for crime, and you're talking about weddings. I don't care. I'm still gonna give you the. If you don't like, if you're, it doesn't matter how you plan it. it doesn't matter how you plan it. Three weeks before your wedding, there's a bunch of stuff that's like, okay, this has to be done now. You couldn't do it six months ago. You have to do it before. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, okay, <laughs> but then it happens. And you like, you, my favorite, I walked 
out to the aisle and I was like, whoa, all my ideas came together. <laughs> You're like, this is nice. This is going smoothly. Yeah, so you'll feel stressed out, but I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be with my favorite people and then I get to go to Hawaii the next day. Oh, because yes. just in case anybody remembers, two weeks ago, I had no idea where oh I was God. going at for my I honeymoon. I was so mad at you, too. <laughs> like, like, this is July 31st? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I get it. Dude, put it in the books, guys. She found a place to go for her honeymoon. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to be so stressed. And then you're going to be like, why was I so stressed? I'm drunk and in, I almost out of the Bahamas. <laughs> I mean, that'd be nice. Close too. enough, though, honestly. I'll take it. Either way, send me somewhere. Right? And then Vegas, so. Oh, man. Things guys, are happening. Guys, we are going to Vegas for a bachelorette party in two weeks from almost today. Almost two weeks from today. Yeah. And then a special shout out to the misters because I'm sure they're pretty stoked because fantasy football draft is this weekend. It sure is. And when this podcast comes out, they will have already had that glorious day in their lives and behind them. Yeah, and then it's just three <laughs> solid months of, oh my god, did you see that play? Or, um, who are you texting? Um, everybody in my fantasy football league because this is bullshit. <laughs> like, yes, oh or god. also, at my house, now, none of you that are listening do not judge me off of the next statement. This is my husband. I love him despite his football, and I also support him, I should say that, but I'm not like a super huge football fan. However, for the next at least solid three months when it like first starts it's gonna get cray cray and he's really into it i'm just gonna hear oh my god tom brady 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 tom brady tom brady and also there won't be a gronk situation this year so that'll suck because i loved gronk (laughs) you're like yeah uh so yep that's uh we're we're crime wives and we're football wives a hundred percent well alex just comes home and he's like i don't want to talk about it or i'm like why are you grumpy and he's like did you did you check out my fantasy football score and i'm like well no i don't have access to it but i'm guessing it's bad sorry yeah no i actually stay pretty far away from it on purpose i do watch football i do i'm not like one of those people that can't and i know I, I don't know why I'm going into depth about this, but Travis is very, very committed to the football, which I never knew, and I would not have known by looking at him when I first met him. I was like, this is just a hairy guy that just probably listens to reggae. I was wrong about that. <laughs> he does not, and he just loves sports and he, also chess. He does, for sure. Sports and chess. Yep. And yeah. so, I mean, if any of you didn't realize, they are... On the same fantasy football league. Yeah. We, you know what we really could do is we could start a spinoff podcast called A Podcast While Our Husbands Are Watching Football. (laughs) Oh my God. I would have a lot of time. We might have to move it to Sundays. (laughs) Yeah. Except for you have a child. Oh, it's fine. Sundays are family days. Guys, we might start doing this on Sundays. (laughs) (laughs) Might happen. Um, So on that note, what are you doing this week? Um, Okay, listen. Today I signed my four-year-old up for preschool, and it felt so great. He got his, he's had haircuts before, but he got a haircut after being traumatized. His ear got cut one time. Oh. Not, but it wasn't, we weren't at a salon, so. His ear got cut, there's a little bit of blood, so then he refused to get a haircut. He had not had a haircut since, like, January, maybe, <laughs> and it was starting to show. And it was also starting to grow into his ears. Oh, no. And I was like, and he's got very thin thin straight hair so I was like oh great this is this is great so he got a haircut yesterday 
he, I got him to go to the dentist today, and then we went into a school to, like, pay for his tuition for preschool, and um, he's, like, standing there, and she's, like, are you excited for preschool? And he goes, I think so. And I was, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I looked down at him, and he's, like, I think I'm ready. And I was, like, oh, God. He just said, I think I'm ready. This is too much for me. And then we walk outside, and I, I, I always will look at him and go, I'm proud of you, after he's done something big. And I go, <laughs> we get outside, and I was, like, Lincoln, I'm proud of you. That, you've done a lot of big kid things today. And he goes, I'm proud of you too, Mom. Good job being a mom. <laughs> oh, my like, God. <laughs> so we get in the car, falls asleep because we were in no man's land to sign up for it. And we're driving back, and he falls asleep. And I, like, look back, and I see him asleep. Instant tears. <laughs> I'm like, he says he's ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> when does he actually start? Uh, September 9th. So it's like, it's coming in pretty quick. It's so a week after your anniversary. Yeah. Travis. Yeah. Yeah. The Travis. week after the second. We're not really celebrating our anniversary though, because we're going to your bachelor po- <laughs> and bachelorette party. So that's. I mean, but you're going to be having a blast. Yeah. We Except are gonna... for on your actual anniversary, you might just be hungover. Oh yeah, absolutely. I will be. And we had plans to celebrate it at the end of the month, and we had, like, talked about a weekend. And then Travis and Shane found out that their favorite comedian is going to be in Portland, so I was like, okay, Shane, you can come to our anniversary weekend. You're like, oh, <laughs> like I literally told him. <laughs> yeah. So, and either way, um, we did a bunch of my child is growing up stuff today, and then... Um, and so I felt, and of course, I work from home, but I don't have, I don't have a job that's necessarily usually a work from home job. I still have a quote office job, but I just work from home. So we did all that stuff, got home, was like, okay, now time to catch up on a bunch of work. And then our landlords text us and we're like, hey guys, we're going to have the whole house power washed tomorrow. So if you could just have the house ready. So that's what I'm here recording. Travis is getting the whole house ready to be power oh, washed tomorrow. Yeah. And then on Saturday, I, this is this is the most adult week of my life, quite honestly. And then on Saturday, I'm getting my carpets cleaned. Like, and I, <laughs> Sunday is going to be a great day. The outside of my house will have been power washed. My child will have been signed up for preschool, and I'm going to have cleaner carpets. And you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, God, I'm an adult. Yes, I've <laughs> made it. I've done all of the things. I am here. <laughs> yes, anyone who's a very, very accomplished adult who probably is not listening to this, but, you know, just in case someone's way more off that way doing all the things they're gonna hear me say that and be like you got your carpets cleaned Girl, and now you're you an got adult. a lot coming for you that's <laughs> yeah. like when you, like a teenager's like i can't wait to grow up and you're like okay uh, yeah no calm yeah. Down. also getting my car i understand that getting my carpets clean isn't isn't an accomplishment but when they when you got dogs like i do <laughs> it is <laughs> um it's just exciting in general it's like i love to mow the lawn yes. it's just a thing i just love to do where alex vacuums like oh it's opposite. every other day opposite in my house i love vacuum travis will get that lawn mowed and we'll both be like woohoo well at alex is, he's alex is a clean freak oh same he's like if he'd be an hoa king <laughs> oh god king. or everyone's worst nightmare <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so that's that that's that well hi alex thanks for uh, tuning in this week again also my 10-year high school reunion oh gosh is on saturday How's that feel? I will not be attending. Yeah, no, mine was last summer, and I had just had surgery, so I couldn't, I didn't go to mine. You're like, no, thank yeah. you. I was like, hey. I'm like, love you, class of 2009, but I'll see you maybe in 10 years. I was kind of stoked that I had an excuse not to go. <laughs> well, everybody that I talked to was like, you have to go, you have to, and I'm like, honestly, from what I've heard, nothing's really changed. 
We all pretty much the same people. We all have Facebook. We all see each other. Yeah. We get together, and the people that do go to 10-year reunions are, like, the people that are super-duper accomplished and are, like, a little bit more... (laughs) What are you saying? Um, (laughs) I'm not saying that we're not accomplished. (laughs) Obviously, I don't but know. These people are like, I'm, I'm using work for the wrong Google. Yeah, I'm using the wrong word, but there, yeah, you know, at this point, I'm probably talking literally to people that I went to high school with. <laughs> They're we like, love you. All right, I'm tuning out of here. Ronica hates <laughs> us. Oh, you're an asshole. Yeah, no, no, love y'all. Still, I probably honestly would have gone to mine. I had just had my third surgery, yeah, <laughs> so I was like. like Sorry, got a real excuse, buddy. So how? I don't. Happen? You don't, but, but maybe just say you're busy planning your wedding. That's not going to be a good excuse. That's not a lie. It's also not going to be a good excuse now that it's been recorded and put into. A... I will will be doing guys. Know. Guys, I actually guess made going to be busy. <laughs> I've made plans to meet up with some people that are like planning to go the reunion. Like afterwards, <laughs> you would be the afterward friend. Dusty's like, oh, there's an after party? I'll be at that for well, sure. Which is ridiculous because in high school, I was literally homecoming queen. Didn't go to homecoming. I was like, Me? were you at the after party? I think I went home. Uh-huh. I don't really know what I did. Oh no, I'm gonna ask Martha. <laughs> Yo, Martha, what'd you do? Where was she? My mom be like, oh no, that girl's She's crazy. like, well, that was about 10 years ago, so I have no idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> Thanks that. for letting me intrude on your about you segment. Yep. No. Now that's what that's what they're called now. <laughs> that's Guys, what I just. This yeah. is our new thing. It's called the about you segment. <laughs> You're welcome. It's like a bio for your Twitter or Instagram, but it's just how we start our podcast <laughs> like instead of like Facebook. What are you thinking about today? We're like. Here's, Here's my, what I'm doing this week. <laughs> Here's my about me podcast. Yeah. Most people call it an intro. We call it an about me segment. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's super crimey for sure. <laughs> okay, so now to crime? Yeah, let's uh let's go back on brand, shall we? <laughs> okay, so what are you gonna be talking about this week? I am gonna be talking about a crime I'm surprised okay I almost just said I'm surprised neither of us have heard of <laughs> without telling her <laughs> have you ever heard of the Klein Falls attack oh no me either I didn't know there was a Klein Falls in Oregon <laughs> so, no so there's a Klein Falls in Oregon also this one is from Oregon <laughs> which is <laughs> where we from which for some reason I was excited about but also we've we've had a few people request to do more like have we done any other from Oregon well I've done I like the I-5 band yeah, yeah I did uh, Wesley Allen Dodd. Yeah, so we've uh, done a few that like asshole. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, he was bad. Oh, you mean the one that I was emotionally moved. The from. second one, and you're like, I quit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, why did we keep doing this? This is a little different. This is the Klein Falls attack, which kind of shorter and definitely, um, you'll see. Okay, so in the summer of 1977, 19-year-old Terry Gents of Western Springs, Illinois. Um, and her roommate, 20-year-old Avra Goldman of Wellesley, Massachusetts. I, okay, sorry, real quick. Almost did that state you just said. Illinois or Massachusetts? The second one. Massachusetts. And I cannot say it. And so I was like, <laughs> never will I do a crime from there. I was like, wait, what does she mean by the second one? And if I do, I will abbreviate. Massachusetts? <laughs> I can't say the last part. Just, okay, wait, no, listen. I have a four-year-old. This is how we do it. We say mass. Mass. Uh. Uh. Chew. Chew. Sits. sits. So it's like 
a big mess. Mass, uh, uh-huh. Chew sits. Good job. <laughs> Look at mom. Mom and all day. <laughs> That's oh, how I teach him too. God. And also, if he can't do it, I would have been like, mass, and then uh, chew like you chew food, sits like you sit down, and then I'll see his eyes light up like, ah, and then it'll be like, Massachusetts. Oh, I'm going to go home and test that on him. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. And then just know that it works because you just did it with me. So back to you. Now you can from here on out, but every time you'll be like, mass, uh, chew, sits. And everybody's going to know that I'll be like, abbreviated from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. You could just say M.A., right? Maybe that's Montana. Okay. You know what? 20-year-old Ava Goldman was from Wellesley, Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, they were both Yale University students. Also, I didn't say this. I got most of my information from Wikipedia. Um, a lot of the other places that I looked up, um, there's a, quite a few websites that have very short versions of this story, but I still wanted to cover it. Um, so... They were both university, I'm sorry, they were both Yale University students. Uh, That summer, they decided to cycle across the United States via the newly opened Trans-America Trail. So, they decided they were going to bike across America, and they freaking did it. (laughs) Intense. They both successfully completed the tour, which obviously is amazing and then um, the last place that they stopped at was Astoria, Oregon. Uh, From there both women headed east through the state. On the night of June 22nd they decided to stop at the Klein Falls State Park in rural Deschutes County. Obviously we're both very familiar with Deschutes so they stopped in the Deschutes County um, and they decided that's where they were going to camp overnight. Okay. So Gents, um, who I'm just going to refer to her the rest of the time as Gents, um, because it's Terry Gents and Avra, but rest of the time, Gents. Gents would recall an interview later, or in an interview later, uh, of being kind of unnerved by the location. She said that they were both slightly, uh, when they first got there, they were like, oh, something doesn't feel right about this. And then they also said that they both felt as though they were being watched. Um, in a quote that she said, um, was, it was an animal instinct of danger. We both had it. We both had it separately and we shared it with one another. Like, for whatever reason, they just didn't feel right about the place. However, because they were both also pretty tired and didn't have a ton of other options at the time, um, they set up their tent and got everything ready for camp for the night. That's just what they did. So, she recalls that they ended up going to sleep around 10 p.m. that night. And around 11.30 a.m., while both women were asleep in their tent, get ready. 11.30 a.m.? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it says p.m. Did I say a.m.? It's p.m. Oh, either okay. way. So they go to bed at 10. Wrong. Either way. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go to bed at 10. We're going to say an hour and a half later. Still later. dark outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still dark outside. And um, I just, okay, hold on to your butts. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, Around 11.30 p.m., while both women were asleep in their tent, they were awoken by the sound of a truck pulling up to their campsite. Okay. Gents initially believed the vehicle... I mean, it happens very quickly. So whatever happens next happens very quickly. But Mm -hmm. when she first heard it, of course, she's asleep. She's kind of like, you know, waking up a little bit. Um, And like, uh, she assumed that it was like teenagers kind of partying in the area. Probably, I'm going to assume, in all the campsites they'd stayed in over America from yeah. going from one side to the other, that they were used to that. So it was just kind of what she assumed what was going on. Um, that teenagers who had kind of just driven up to the campsite. However, 
<laughs> and then I put in my own quotes, and get ready for this. The vehicle then proceeded to drive over the tent. What? It then stopped directly on top of their tent, and its tires then pinned Jens to the ground at her chest. This, for obvious reasons, resulted in the breaking of both of her arms, one leg, her collarbone, and several several ribs, as well as crushing her lung. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Yep. Now you see why I was like, well, I can't not do this story. Jesus. At some point, a man exited the vehicle, and he had an axe in his hand. He struck Goldman in the head um, around six times. That oh my god. Okay. And after a man stood, or after the man stood over uh, Jens, and um, this is a part that she quoted when she recalled the story. She said, I hear my friend scream sharply, leave us alone, and then I hear a blow, and then I hear six more, just like that. She also stated, I looked up at him, I opened my eyes and said, take anything but leave us alone, please just leave us alone. He brought the axe down slowly, and I caught it in my hands right above my heart. He grabbed the blade in my hands, and then he withdrew it. What? After, Jens begged the man, and um, he returned to his vehicle, or after she begged the man, he returned to his vehicle for whatever reason, and pulled the car down, and simply drove away. What the hell? So, I don't know about you, but when I first heard this part, I was like, what? Oh, yeah, what? Is, so many things are happening right here that just... When was this? 1977. So, they're out, just camping it up. Yeah, okay. A man or someone, I just, they're so, I also have a very suspicious thinking mind. So, when I hear one version of a story, I'm like, <gasps> or, yeah, I don't want to, I'm not going to speculate right here because there's a lot of different ways that it could go. I don't want my thoughts to come out. Anyways, after Jens begged the man and he returned to his vehicle, vehicle, vehicle <laughs> he pulls away. Though severe, dear lord, words are hard. <laughs> Though severely injured, Jens managed to pick her now broken body, duh, and stumble away. Um, eventually, she gets to a road, and she flags down somebody. Okay, I need it to be known. I looked, I was at like two or three different websites looking at different things. This is the version of the story as according to Wikipedia. In a different story, there's somebody, there's a website that says, the person that she flags down is a person named Boo something, and that it was like one person. According to Wikipedia, she flagged down Bill Penhollow and Darlene Jervis. They were two teenagers who just happened to be passing by. Could you imagine somebody flagging you down that's like been literally ran over? Well, ready? Jervis recalled that Jens was, quote, so bloody it was dripping off of her hair, dot, dot, dot. Ugh. The ends of her hair. So that's so that's, awful. So there's the visual for you. I mean, it's horror story. I is what it is. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. For mm-hmm. that. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, ugh, no, I can't. I can't even. So, Penn Hollow and Jervis drove to the campsite to tend to Goldman. And I'll tell you at the end why I stuck with this version of this of the people who were there. The reason that I stuck with this, it's going to make sense at the end. So. Anyways, okay, so um, they go back to the campsite instead of initially, probably because she was like, my friend, my friend, my friend, goes back to the campsite um, She to tend to Goldman. She was severely injured, obviously, and while they're 
this is just another random like little side story that was noted is that they're tending to her and they see headlights again and they're like oh my gosh they're coming back yeah for like us. everybody run away and it's like coming at them it's coming at them and it just turned again turned away and they were fine okay so that takes place at some point the police are called and of course this is another note that i put in here that like i put little like my uh, my thoughts while i'm telling the story here's my thought this happened in 1977, so I'm not sure what the phone setup was. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine that it took much longer than it would have, like, nowadays, obviously. So it probably felt like decades for them while they're waiting for the police to show up. However, finally the police do show up. Um, so somebody left and called the police. Somebody got a hold of the police, somehow. And um, the police got there uh, a little bit after midnight. So, again, they say it was around... So it was only really a half an hour, but only a half hour is probably <gasps> during so. this and these circumstances like forever yeah so they technically get there the next day but it's just a little bit after midnight right away they begin investigating the scene police officers who inspected the scene examined tire marks left in the dirt of which they determined the vehicle likely had two bald tires in the rear so basically the back and one front tire had bald mm-hmm. tire like bald traction and then one of them it looked like it was newer and that it potentially just been replaced okay from here both gents and goldman were rushed to st charles medical center in bend where avra goldman underwent a nine hour emergency brain operation oh my god but she lived no fucking way they both lived i thought they were both dead i thought i thought for sure avra goldman was like when i was reading this i was like (gasps) nope Avery Goldman also Well, that's lived. probably why they returned, because she was probably still, like, somewhat there when mm-hmm. her friend was running away, and then she's like, she no, knew. my friend's still alive, yeah. we need to go back, she totally like, we knew. can't leave her here. Yeah. So, that makes sense why they went back instead of calling the police. Good like, observation. Leaving, yeah. like, right away. Yeah. She probably was at least, yeah, some, <gasps> she was struck in the head six times with an axe, I think. It was, right? Axe, yeah. Okay. Never going camping again. Yeah. Anyways. It, right? <laughs> because people just pull up on tents. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, detectives were unable to, (laughs) what happens when you write your own stuff. Detectives were unable to obtain a God description. Veronica. Detectives were unable to obtain a good description of the attacker from either of the victims for a very obvious reason. Goldman, who sustained serious brain trauma, had underwent hours of brain surgery, remembered nothing of the attack. Good for you. Good for her. Yeah. She lived. Literally, I don't have anything else I need from her. I'm so proud of you. Okay. Jens, who was conscious throughout, did not see the face of the assailant, but described him as, quote, a physically fit young cowboy type. Uh, And she chose this description based off of his clothing and his build. So nowadays, that area might be a hipster. I was, yeah. And also, it's bend ish Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's how they all look still. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry, people in Ben. Now you guys are like cool outdoors. Hey, you know, but... there's there's the hipster. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. You it's get like a... you shop at REI or you shop at the something barn the, or the <laughs> independent thriftway down the mar or down the way. Yeah. So um, we're generalizing a lot of people in Ben. We're <laughs> and sorry. We apologize. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> As weeks went by, the bulletins headlines, which a bullet the bulletins was like a. I'm going to say a newspaper in 
uh, Southern Oregon. Maybe it still exists. I don't know. The bulletin's headline expressed uh, the desperation of the case, saying, quote, no new leads in Klein Falls assault case, and police expanding hunt for suspect. And then finally, uh, an article that said, someone knows. So these are like going out rapidly, and um, the there's a piece that reads, someone in this part of the state either knows or has a strong and probably correct suspicion of the name of the young man who attacked the two Yale students. Um, and that was a writer that urges, you know, the attacker um, or anyone with suspicion of his or her identity to come forward with their information. So obviously, it's starting to get out there. People are yeah. starting to see. Okay, in the weeks following the attack um, and the release of the bulletin's headlines, um, after hearing very supportive rumors, and I wrote supportive rumors my because I don't know what else she would have heard, but... A woman in Redmond went to the authorities and told them that she had been told that the attacker was a local young man named uh, Richard, who went by Dick Dam. Dick Dam. I wasn't expecting to feel that way when I said it, but Dick Dam is funny. Dick Dam. Okay. So he was 17 at the time of the attack. Uh, Richard, or Dick Dam, was eventually interviewed by detectives on several occasions, and it was discovered that he had been in a fight with his girlfriend, whose name was Janie Fraley. Around the date of the attack. Their names are just Janie Fraley. Dick Dam and Jane Fraley. See, <laughs> bend. See, this is why. You did it to yourself. In 1977. Around the date of the attack is when he claims that they were in a fight. Um, though he never disclosed his specific whereabouts. That Like, somehow through this, he never even tells them where he's at on June 22nd. I don't know. Uh, when they finally interview the girlfriend, um, she denies that the two were ever even fighting that day, though she did state that they did fight all the time. So essentially, I think they go to her and are like, what about you? What do you have to say about this? She's like, I don't know. We could have been fighting. It's probably a thing. Um, so eventually they do a polygraph examination on him. And after a polygraph examination, um, they proved, well, they did, a, they, okay, so they do a polygraph of Dam. It proves inconclusive. Um, he was, for whatever reason, instead of like, I don't know, they were like, you know what, let's try again. So they give him a second polygraph. Hmm. And that's on July 14th of 1977. Those results of the second polygraph were shown to be, quote, deceptive. Though they don't know if the validity. Oh my gosh, you can't say Massachusetts and validity. Oh, I hate it. Validity. <laughs> The validity of these results were called into question when it was discovered that Dam was under the influence of methamphetamine during the examination. <laughs> Jesus which Christ. feels like the right time to, to just point out that methamphetamine use could probably in itself be a reason that you might drive over a tent, hatchet some women, pull out and be like, bye. I mean. I don't know. Or you're crazy. I mean, also, that's... Like your brain's not the right A way. lot of people do methamphetamines. Yeah. And not as many people butcher, hatchet, run over Okay, people. you're not wrong. <laughs> but also, what it if could he already have those in his brain? And attribute. Then did, yeah, it could to totally that. be um, an attribute. Okay, not an attribute. Yeah, uh, it, could, it could totally just add to the reasons. Yeah, yeah, add to the reasons what we're going to stick with. <laughs> Okay, so the Go results back. of both of the poly... I only put this in here because it felt... So they get those results. One of them's inconclusive. One of them's deceptive. They send those to the laboratories, or laboratories, however, <laughs> in Salem, 
And it says on Wikipedia, the state capital. (laughs) I was like, oh, is it? (laughs) Um, And it was the opinion of the analysis in Salem that Richard did show some signs of deception in both. So, Fraley, the girlfriend, later told authorities in another interview that she had noticed Dam changed the tires on his truck shortly after the attack. So, uh, suspicious. Wonder why. Uh Uh-huh. And that a toolbox located in the truck bed had randomly been removed. But also, I'm like, okay, it's a toolbox. What is that going to have in it on it? Um, fingerprints? Uh, an axe or a hatchet? Well, it was a toolbox in the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, like, back in the 90s, those big metal toolbox, like, mm-hmm. things that they had in the truck. Yeah. So why the would only you reason to remove it? it is because you're guilty. To be like... I never had a toolbox in my truck. Maybe they find out. Maybe he found out that the girls lived, and he's like, "Shoot, how do I make my truck look different?" Yeah. Okay. So he this, tried. This guy's the most suspicious to me. However, we'll move on. Oh no. She also conceded to the police that Dam had been abusive to her throughout their relationship. However, and for reasons that digging through the internet could not solve for me or be recovered this freaking guy was not charged in the case at all probably because there was another lead mentioned a few times another suspect in the attack was convicted was a convicted child rapist and murderer whose name was richard wayne who went by bud gone godwin yeah i've never heard of richard wayne godwin however there's a chance that both of us are going to want to do this story at some time oh yay here's richard wayne bud Godwin. After the attack, Godwin was imprisoned for the murder... Maybe not. (laughs) God, I forgot. He was imprisoned for the murder of a five-year-old whose skull he used as a candle holder. I put in all caps, that story for a different day, obviously. Oh my god. Anyways! Ew. Uh Uh-huh. Hate it. Probably let's not. On the night of Gents and Goldman's attack, a female relative of Godwin's, with whom he had allegedly had a sexual relationship, sounds oh, like no stand-up character, was possibly staying at Kleinfall. So basically someone came forward and was like, I actually am pretty sure that my cousin was there, um, and we did it, so I should know. I don't know how that, that's probably not how it went, but <laughs> great way. This story, I really hope that's how it went. Though. I hope it's not, but so he was there. I'm really positive because he was there oh she pointed at her parts <laughs> okay moving forward <laughs> despite law enforcement's considering of godwin as a suspect jen stated that he did not resemble the man um she recalled attacking her so again he was also not charged in the case okay and though this case is one of the more bizarre stories that i stumbled upon it does have a like slightly happy-ish ending um so Uh, Both Gents and Goldman obviously lived, um, and then they recovered from all of their injuries, uh, though Goldman was left with vision problems resulting in, um, from her head trauma. Yeah. Like, that's... That's it? Yeah. From what I understand, that's... I tried to look up, um, pictures of them, and there's a ton of Gents, but I don't... I don't know if any of the ones I looked at were actually Goldman. There was a... There's a lot of people with Gents, and this is why. In... Well, okay, this is... This is not why, but... The reason that I chose the two people that Wikipedia said were the people that saved them as opposed to some person named Boo, which who knows which is the truth, but I'm going to assume it was this one because in September of 1977, Goldman's parents donated $3,000 to St. Charles Medical Center 
um, into a fund for critical care monitoring equipment under the names Pen Hollow and Jervis, the two teenagers that found Jens and Goldman. So oh, they my heart, right? That's so yes. sweet. So their her parents donated money for that. And then in 2006, Jens published a book recounting her life after the attack. That book, for anyone who's in, interested, is called Strange Piece of Paradise. However, um, in not-so-awesome edition, but I did feel like it needed to be mentioned, while she was researching the case um, in preparation for the book, she discovered that the official records of the attack, including interviews, physical evidence, and crime scene photos, had inadvertently been lost. What? Yeah, I don't I don't know when or why. I don't understand, but okay. I did add one last quote here. Um and this quote is from another website that I will um actually can't remember which one it is. However, I can provide it if necessary. Um there are this is a quote. There are a lot of blood-stained hands in Oregon. Enough rural space to hide their crimes. You could easily pass one of these guilty psychos on the street. They could be your co-workers, acquaintances, or even your neighbors. So lock your doors, and above all, beware of the wilderness. I remember the website now. It's called Crazy Wilderness. <laughs> so um, okay. they, they tell a lot of wilderness stories. This They had like two paragraphs. Well, I don't so. appreciate them dogging on Oregon, so get them out of here. But are they wrong? First of all, Ted Bundy. I mean, let's go to like Montana or something. There's less people for you mean sure. to Yellowstone National Park? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's my case. Cannot. As soon as I read the part that that guy pulled up over the tent and then just packed away after he hatched it. It's just crazy. I will say this is your second week in a row of no one dying. Right. But it's also <laughs> technically... A quote, cold case. And we're so also a true crime podcast, not a murder death. Oh, yeah. We're true crime. Killer. We can talk about all the crime. Sometimes it's light crime. Sometimes We it's... haven't had a light crime in a while. That might be no. a good Have one. Have we to... ever had a light crime? When you oh, went off in Florida. <laughs> cocaine flew into this person's purse. Yeah. I use, by the way, I use that for anything that I find in my purse now. I find lip gloss that I don't remember putting there. I'm like, oh, did the wind blow this in? <laughs> I'm usually around people that do not listen to and our they're, podcast. You're like, oh. They're like, do you mean the lip gloss that you definitely put in there? I'm like, all oh, right, you don't. Well, you don't get my jokes. Sorry, so. you're not funny. <laughs> sorry, we don't have inside jokes with a, like we with, have with all of our listeners. Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Your inside jokes don't include you listening to me for hours. <laughs> Rude ass. But also, I do kind of want to do a Florida crimes thing again. That'd be kind of funny. I think we definitely, that might be one that's coming up. Yeah, guys, dude, hang on tight, because I feel like I need to. There we go. Lighten the subject. But anyways, that's the, uh, wait, wait, Klein Falls attack. I appreciate it. I don't. So anyways, there's the Klein Falls, Klein Falls, Attack. It's called a few different things. It's like Klein Falls Hatchet Attack, Klein Falls Axe Attack. So I just Klein Falls Attack, and there's that. Yeah, I like appreciate it. Not about it. Never going camping again. Mm, but yeah, thanks. Very crazy. What are you doing this week? <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about John Edward Robinson. So John, which is what we will for- refer to him, okay, for the most part here on out. Um, <laughs> already have questions. <laughs> he was born on December 27th, 1943 in Cicero, Illinois. 
He oh, was. Oh, you can say Illinois. No, that's good. I, I, I oh, literally wait. just can't say Massachusetts. Yep. So. And he, I also think we're pronouncing it Illinois. It's just Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> Whatever. Moving on. Silent. Okay. So he was one of five children, and his father was known to be an alcoholic, and his mother was very strict. This is a theme in your cases. I know. It just happens. There's just like you an and arson. And there's, hmm, yeah. I purposefully made sure there was none in mine today. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll make sure that there's no alcoholics in mine next week. Oh, that'll be hard. Good luck. <laughs> a lot of them drink. It's not my fault. It's, there's or family a reason members. their kids are broken. So, as a child... <laughs> while we're drinking wine. I <laughs> am kidding. not an alcoholic, thank you very much. My <laughs> child is not broken. He told me he's proud of me. <laughs> oh, that was a great rebuttal. I just thought it was funny timing. <laughs> but I didn't mean to get personal. <laughs> Wednesdays are literally the only days I get to drink, okay? <laughs> okay. So as a child, John um, was an Eagle School Scout for a small amount of time. He went to a private school for children who wanted to become priests, but he ended up quitting due to disciplinary issues. Later on, he went to school to be an x-ray tech, so we're going, like, fast yeah. forward a lot of And he of years. also probably was like, you know what? Preschool's not for me. Oh, <laughs> priest school. Priest school. Um, so he ended up going to school to be an x-ray tech, but after a couple years, he dropped out, and he ended up moving to Kansas City in 1964. Okay. And that's where he married Nancy Jo Lynch. And um, in 1965, they welcomed their first child. Okay. So, so just his life. That's his life. That's where he's at. So we're going to just kind of jump into his first criminal activity, okay. which came in 1969 when he was arre- arrested for embezzling $33,000 from a medical practice where he was working as an x-ray tech. How do you even do that? Like, I, I'm not asking for myself. I need that to be clear. Whenever I hear that people can embezzle money from such huge companies you just have to work in accounting well especially right? for huge companies they yeah. have so much income i do a lot of like right payroll and stuff like that they have so much income coming in that if your hands are anywhere near it there's certain mm-hmm. ways or like i mean i'm gonna charge somebody for this that never happened and then a check then is gonna come to, to this I mean, I work for a company that has had embezzlement happen to it, so I understand that that's, like, a thing, and I know I know people that have other people outside of that. I'm just always like, how do you have the balls? Oh, a lot of people. You know a lot of people have the balls, and it's just putting the wrong people in the wrong positions kind of thing. Yeah, I'm about to learn that he probably had a, the balls for a lot of other things. So. He does Okey-dokey. did. Whatever. So, um, anyways, like I was saying, he was an x-ray technician at this position. Mm-hmm. You don't remember, two sentences ago, I said he dropped out of x-ray technician school. So oh, he uh, yeah, forged all of his medical certifications and just in general was sentenced for both for all of these crimes to three years of probation. Okay. So he violated that probation just one year later when he moved to Chicago um, without notifying, like, his parole officer or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. There he became a salesman and just a short year later was charged with embezzlement again. Okay, so I, I see that he's doing well. Making <laughs> so well. good choices. And so he ended up going back to Kansas City um, where they extended his probation. Okay. So that's where we're at. And around that time in 1971, his family greeted a set of... Beautiful twins, a little boy and a little girl. 
not to be talked about much in the future. I was like, were they named Andy and Ashley? Should they we bring them up not. in two podcasts? I think it was Christopher and Christina. Oh, that's kind of cute. That's sweet. But it's Chris and Chris? Ugh. I don't like it. I mean, I feel like most girls named Christina don't go by Chris. I guess it's a nickname. Yeah, I was like, sure. I definitely know two Christinas that go by Chris now. Hmm. I also lived in Las Vegas. People cut every name in half. <laughs> Ron. It, that's why I call you Ron. I mean, that's just that's just a given. My name is Ronica. Yeah, but Alex, not... when he like rolls over bed and he's like, who's Ron? <laughs> like, just my friend. And then you send me a text and you're like, this makeup. And he's like, oh, oh that God, it's Ronica. Yep. So anyways, um, in 1975, John was caught forging documents in order to obtain thousands of dollars through a company he had um, made up that did not exist. Oh my, he's getting way more ballsy than I... He, this guy's ballsy. So he made up a company to get money. This will not be the first one. <laughs> and at this time, he was charged with security fraud, mail fraud, and false representation. For these crimes, he was fined $2,500. What? What? How much money did he make and then was only fined $2,500? I'm not 100% sure, but uh, in this exact situation. But he has made thousands and thousands and thousands so and thousands. So he's like, let me just get my money out real quick. Here's... $2,500 yeah. from my... So he paid a fine of $2,500 and then his probation was extended for oh, an additional three years. Hate it. Hate it. I am so mad right now. So <laughs> then this guy proceeds to trick the state of Kansas into rewarding him man of the year. What the fart? So he made up this big story um, about how he had done something and everybody's like, oh my God, he's so great. And then he made like multiple letters and sent them in of people like praising him. And this is why he, he should be man the of the year. Praising letters too? Yeah, about himself and sent it like, and so. I, now that I can see a picture of him, I did not like his face to begin with. And I hate it more. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of any part of him in general yeah um so once they realized that the letters were fraudulent they took back the reward and kind of put him on blast regarding his previous criminal history so they ended up writing a news article and they were like we're so sorry that we asked we falsely presented this guy as man of the year because he's actually a fraud well yeah we believe him for face value he ain't exactly okay yeah so We're going to just kind of skip forward a little bit more and go to 1980 when John was working as an employee relation manager. Great job to have. When you as a felon. Committed fraud multiple times in your life. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing. I understand. Felons rehabilitated. Things happen in your past. But this guy is like. Did I miss the part where he went to jail? Has he gone to jail at all for this? Don't most people for embezzlement go to jail? He has not gone to jail. He's just gotten probation, probation, probation. What the heck? So... This is when he was an employee relationship man or relation manager, uh-huh. and he got fired. Can you guess why? Embezzlement, or he told everyone that he was a pretend Hercules. Embezzlement. Okay, okay, okay. So good job. <laughs> so he had taken fifty thousand dollars from this company, and in the in the end, the plea deal was. If you pay it back, we'll just charge you with theft. You'll get sixty days of jail, an additional five years of probation. Oh, just more probation. All the probation. So, by 1984, John had created two additional companies. Companies, in quotation. Like, I get that there's, like, the you need to make room in the jails for people that are killing people. I understand that. 
no, I, that's it. I just, I get it. But, like... There's also other, like, from what it seems like is more, like, white-collar crimes. Uh-huh. Like, that needs to be like, addressed oh, as well. it's just money. You can pay it back. It's fine. Exactly. Okay. So, he had created two additional companies, basically just companies that would cover up his illegal activity in obtaining money. Is it, like, a wig shop and also we make socks? <laughs> no, they were, like, software shops. Oh. Or software That no programs. one, yeah. Mm. So, for his company, Equi2, oh. he posted an ad looking for a sales representative. Uh-oh. And that is when he hired Paula Godfrey. Dang it. Things might escalate shortly. Okay. A 19-year-old recent graduate. John offered to send her to San Antonio for her training. John picked her up from her parents' house on September 1st, 1984. By the 5th of September, her dad started to worry about her because he hadn't heard from her. Man. And her dad literally flew to San Antonio. Uh-huh. Went to her to the hotel that she was supposed to stay at, and they were like, she never checked in. Oh, no. And then he returned, and he confronted John. He was like, where the hell's my daughter? Um... She needs to contact me as soon as possible. Amazing. He was like, she needs to contact me within three days or I'm going to go to the police. Why didn't he just go to the police? So, after two days, he received a letter from Paula saying she was fine, he shouldn't worry, and her dad was like, fuck this, I'm going to the, like, Why I don't believe this. Why did he wait two days? Why would he not just, I'm sorry, but I understand, like, within three days? No. I mean, unless he was, like, told, no, she's totally fine. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, I need to talk to her now. Yeah. But so these are the stories that we learn from, people. Exactly. <laughs> so shortly after her parents went to the police, the police received an additional letter stating, once again, I'm fine, John Robinson, he's helped me so much, and I just don't want to see my parents. I don't want anything to do with them, basically. Her parents were still like, uh, this, our daughter is not like this. She also, doesn't come off this way. Were the police like, this guy's very fraudulent, so he's probably forging these. But the police thought the letter was legit and removed her from the missing persons list. <laughs> Damn it. So just a few <sighs> months later. I hate the- everything. <laughs> So just a few months later, Lisa Stasi, a 19-year-old mother to a little girl, Tiffany, who had recently split from her husband and was staying at an abused women's shelter when a social worker informed her of a company who was willing to help her get back on her feet. The owner was going to set her up in a home and with a job. He picked up Lisa. Okay. So John. How did the social work, like at one point he put in to social worker company. So at this point, I'm he is starting. For no, he is starting, and you'll kind of hear more about it later. But he's starting to kind of try to be a person in the community a little bit more. Right. Okay. So he's like, I have this position. I can help this girl with a place to live. Basically, Craig's listing his jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of, kind of. He, yeah, but he's professional like businesses and stuff. Yeah, he's like, I can help this lady out. I know she's going through a tough time. I just want I can to know how shoulder. he got connected with these people if he does not have legitimate businesses. Because he kind of just, like, would he bring in money. Doing. He had money. Yeah. So nobody questioned the fact of where he got this money. It's like, people that go to the golf course, you're not, or, like, you're in golf clubs, you're not, if they say, this is my company, you're not going to be like, oh, well, I need your address and let me go inside and look at it. I mean, yes, if I met them at the golf course, I would need absolutely no explanation if i was 
a social worker for like it's I mean weird. yeah hopefully just, but ugh, I think it could have been connections like oh this is my friend meet my friend oh, true, true, that kind true, of thing okay. so I think that that's he had just made himself well known in the community he does also it needs to be said even though I did say I hate his face he does have what seems like like a trusting I can't say that uh, I don't know what it would be called but he just there's something that I wouldn't be like, well, that guy's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in bad guy category except for his glasses choice. See, but all. you don't know everything that happens about him. And so also, that's most good. of the guys that you don't put in bad guy category are the ones that don't are look... bad guy category. Yeah, they don't look like the bad guys. So, um, basically, the social worker was like, hey, we have somebody, they're volunteering to get you on your feet, kind of help you out. And so John picked up Lisa and her baby Tiffany and booked them into a hotel on January 10th. Um, So he booked them into a hotel, and then on January 10th, he booked them out. Oh. Three days later, the social worker and Lisa's stepmom received typed letters that were signed by Lisa, thanking them for all of the help she had received from them. So thank you, stepmom, for everything. Thank you, social worker, for helping me find John, this guy who's helped me get a job. So, but I won't be talking to you all for a long time. But yeah, like here's a letter. Now I'm doing my own thing. John called multiple people asking if they had heard from Lisa not very long after this because he said on the 10th, Lisa and her child had taken off from the hotel and he hadn't heard from them since. Uh-huh. But nothing really came from this. And, and absolutely everyone took his word for it except for the one time when all of Kansas found out he was a liar. So, basically, Lisa and her child had been taken from the hotel, and he hadn't heard from them since, is what he was claiming. They were just, they weren't, I don't even think of this, they were, like, put on the missing persons list. Like, nobody called them and is missing. Um, And if they did, nothing came out of it where it tied them to John. They were just missing people that moved away or whatever. Something happened. So about two months later, John's assistant, Irv, became a government witness for the police, informing them of his illegal activities. And he actually happened to be a felon as well. Um, So he, Irv just Oh, his assistant happened to be a felon as well. Okay. So Irv started telling the police about the illegal things that were happening in his company. Part of which was John helping pregnant women and then helping them give their children up for adoption for money. Oh my god. So on March 21st, John was arrested. He posted bail of 50,000 and was released, of course. Of course he was. Um they started interviewing 50,000. <laughs> they started interviewing more and more women and came to the conclusion that his company could possibly actually be a brothel and was probably not a software company. It was not. And it was a mother effing brothel. So, uh, they kept surveillancing his companies and his home. So, when John was not at home, the police raided um, an apartment that he owned and found Teresa. Oh, Teresa no. informed the police that she had met John and he had introduced her into prostitution and eventually became her pimp. Okay. So, he's, he's at this point, he's just, a, we'll call it a sex trafficking, but perhaps just literally hiring women and pimping them out. But it seems more like sex trafficking. It's a lot. It's with a guy that has so much embezzlement, it's going to get a little, yeah, it's going to get great scarcity too. Okay. So he started to beat her and then tried to get um, her in on some of his illegal activities. Like he, so he had this whole thing where he was going to plan 
um, to make it seem like Irv, his assistant, murdered Teresa. Oh, okay. So he told Teresa to write in a diary like she was about to be murdered by Irv, making it seem like it was just him that did it. She just knew it was about to happen. And he was going to secretly, though, send her to the Bahamas, but she would go missing and people would find this diary and be like, oh, Irv murdered this woman. So that Irv would go to jail? Jail. Basically, he was going to end up murdering this Teresa girl. And Teresa's just a random character into this, right? Yeah, it's somebody that they found in his just Brothel okay. I just area. I was trying to remember if it was one of the previously mentioned women. No. no, it's just a random lady living in his apartment that he was promising to he was going to send her to the Bahamas. Yes, but didn't. So, when John returned to his property, Teresa was gone because the police had raided it and yeah. they had found Teresa. So he hired and a he private. Was like, Did she go to the Bahamas? <laughs> So, yeah, that was never the plan. So he hired a private detective to find her. And when that detective did, he was intercepted by the police. And Teresa was moved further away from John. And I don't think much more came from this PI in the police. Okay, just a side quick story without getting super into detail. But I happen to know somebody who hired a private investigator one time to follow a story about something. (laughs) (laughs) to follow a person and from what i'm aware of they were following that story and literally the bigger police pulled not sure but yeah i think so pulled that person into it like near a van or into a van was like who are you what do you know about the story i was just tired i'm a private investigator and they're like you're no longer on this case and then went back to the person and was like, I'm no longer on this case. Yeah, so basically, so pretty sure a pretty, yeah, similar thing just happened here. Yeah, so. um, I'm just trying to say, I know it happens in real life. <laughs> so they eventually just moved Teresa further away from John. We won't hear about her anymore. Wow, okay. So on July 29th, 1985, he returned to car- court for his multiple probation violations. They said he was guilty and was going to have to serve the remainder of his probation in jail, but that was overturned, and Robinson walked free. Oh, my gosh. So, in between... That was very strange noise I just made. But I it, this this feels like the most neglected person you've ever talked about. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a little ridiculous. Like, he's somehow the most involved in, in criminal activity and is also monitored, but somehow completely... Just getting okay. away with everything okay anyways I'll um so yes so he walked free and then there was multiple charges between that time i was just talking about and what i'm about to get into um theft and fraud for a few years but there was appeals and there was just they're like no we're not we're not putting you away you would make bail things along those lines right so as of right now in 1987 he is free in 1987. Is that why they don't put... This is a dumb question. Is that why they don't put super duper rich people away just because they'd make bail? I mean, possibly. Is that why we're all super mad sometimes when, like, I'm just going to say sex traffickers, because obviously recent news, go to jail, but they can't, like, they just don't make them go to jail because they could just make bail. Yeah. They're oh. like, we need a lot more evidence where we can get them on no bail before yeah. we can even do this. Probably. Oh, that's a thought I've never had before. I'm thinking out loud. Okay, I'll stop interrupting you. <laughs> So, in 1987, um, John ended up hiring Catherine Clampett to be his secretary. Knowing that she would be traveling across the country, like, just all over the U.S., she was pretty excited for it, but her parents were a little weary about this opportunity. 
as they should be. Definitely. And they were right, because after a few months of working for John, Catherine went missing, and although John was questioned, they didn't have any evidence, and the case went cold. So, at this point, this man has maybe ran a brothel. A woman goes missing under, is this a new company? that Three women have gone missing at this point. A third, fourth, third woman... Women keep going missing. He may or may not have been running a non-confirmed brothel. And they're just like, oh, sorry, we don't have anything. We don't have enough evidence. And you could definitely make bail, so we're not going to hold you. Exactly. So, fairly shortly after Catherine went missing, John finally had to serve some goddamn time for, like, it started to catch up to him. Like, his thefts and his embezzlement. And they were like, okay. Well, that's the other part, is that... The justice system does take time. I yeah, about that. it does. And so he was sentenced to five years in prison in Kansas. Once he was released after about four on good behavior, mm-hmm. he was transferred straight to Missouri to serve some extra time for his parole violations there. Okay, good. And he was ultimately released in 1993. Which is five, that's almost five years, right? Yes. Yeah. Ugh, but still. Uh, I think. Not that five. No, it's, yeah, it's six years at this point. Okay, good. Not that five is or six is enough, in my opinion, but I'm not a judge. It's true. And they they haven't tied these missing women back to him. And who knows if they will, but we'll find out. <laughs> so, while in prison, he began a little love affair with the librarian. Of course he did. Did he look different than this picture? Or I'm was guessing the librarian... he was a lot younger, but maybe not too much. I just picture, you can't hear the word woman librarian without like going sexy librarian <laughs> yeah so probably let's assume that like she was not what i'm picturing anyways so he started a love affair with this librarian at the prison beverly bonner oh i read it and i was like boner oh boner for like, sure no it's bonner it's bonner maybe she just had a lot of love affairs hmm? no oh when he was released he offered her a position running one of his companies she accepted, left her doctor husband, and moved to Florida to live with her lover. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> so her ex-husband would receive the occasional letter from her that was typed up but signed. Oh, God damn so, it. He killed her too? <laughs> so this is a common occurrence. Okay. I'm sure you've noticed. Yes. Um, but he was never really concerned for her safety. Well, I'd probably be like... Well, first of all, she divorced him. She so. left me for an... Yeah. Person If I work. ever, I am a divorced person. There, I said it. Anyone that doesn't know, now you know. If I ever sent a letter after I was divorced, my ex would be like, well, this is weird. Uh, I'm just going to file this in the the file that where I don't respond or anything. This file. is a, uh, I don't need to follow up situation. Yeah. So, so bye-bye letter. Yeah. So nothing ever came of it because he was like, meh. Like, and it did concern them at a certain time because their oldest son died and oh. she didn't go to the funeral. But he also was like, she might be really busy with work. I know she has this new job. Right. So he Still didn't ever think of anything. So they didn't look into it at all. No. Okay. So jumping now to 1994, John met Sheila on the internet and Sheila just fell for him. She decided to move her and her daughter, who was disabled, from her home to Kansas to be with John, and not long after that, her brother started receiving t- type letters from his sister. For the si- love of Pete. <laughs> saying that she, they were doing great, 
um, that everything was going smoothly, but the brother was quickly suspicious and actually asked the social security office to check in on them um, because that's how they were getting their checks for her daughter. Uh So, and they refused. They were like, no, I can't give you this kind of information. And then not long after that, they received a letter from Dr. Bonner, so the person before them that went missing, the husband that was a doctor, they received a letter, quote, from him, quote, not from him. (laughs) Yeah. And stating that Sheila's daughter was now actually fully paralyzed and needed additional care. He? So they needed more money. Oh my god. So he's literally making, he's taking characters from his life, which are not, there are real people. Yeah. He's like, I need, I definitely need this one. I'm going to need this name for sure. He's a doctor. Going to use him eventually. Yeah. Now use him. Oh, Let me get just more keep money. him in my bucket of tricks. Like this, so however he's, in fact, the longer he's not in prison, the smarter he's getting. It's this. awful. It's, I'm so mad. So, with the internet at the tip of John's fingers, he started meeting new people. And he meets Isabella Luica. What year is this now? Um, So, this is like 94. Oh, gosh. I'm so... Okay. Yeah. And so, he meets Isabella on a BDSM website. Oh. Which, for anyone that doesn't know... I mean, I know, but... It's... Jesus, calm down. Okay, I definitely read all of the Fifty Shades of Grey. That's why I know. And that's like soft, soft BDSM. (laughs) That is very soft BDSM. Oh, oh, yeah? You calm down, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it stands for Bondage, Discipline, Dominance, and Submission, Sadomasochism. It's not Massachusetts. It's not Massachusetts. (laughs) Sadomasochism. There you go. Um, So that's what it stands for. Yeah. For anyone that knows BDSM, they know what it stands for. But anyone that doesn't, now you know. In fact, I will say before I ever knew what it was, I listened to enough. I listened to podcasts. I watched shows. And they'd say BDSM. And I was always like, kinky stuff. (laughs) Like, I literally had no. Chains? Whips? yeah. Leather, everything? Every single time, all I pictured was the shiny leather stuff, right? That's what BDSM is. So, learned a lot of lessons. In fact, after reading Fifty Shades of Grey, looked it up, I was like, that's how I learned that it was very soft core. Soft core? I don't know, but... Soft core. <laughs> yeah. So, that's nice of you to tell people what it means. Yeah. I mean, there is... There are people that don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Isabella shortly moved to Kansas City to become John's permanent sex slave. She was known to comment about how John was her husband um, and, like, would kind of frequent the town. But she stayed in, like, an apartment that was not at his house and ended up telling a friend that she was moving. And that was the last time she was ever seen. Okay. So not long after that, her parents started receiving letters detailing all of her travels in life. There's not one person in John's life that's like, man, everyone keeps getting letters. What a I, What I'm surprised about is I'm like, how do you keep up on all these letters you need to send out, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, to who it may concern, shoot. He's like, pulls out a file. Which one is this? Oh, it's her. Okay. And then just puts the name on. Like, this is like, it's a bad joke, but for real. He sent it out. A shit ton of letters. He, at right this now. point, he probably is copying, pasting a lot of stuff. Let's be real. God. I'm so sad. Probably. I hate him. So, while continuing to surf these BDSM sites, so obviously with the last girl, 
nothing came of it. Her parents are like, oh, she's just having a great time living oh her life. Oh my gosh. So while continuing to surf, these BDSM sites started going by JR and met Suzette Troutman. After months of online conversation, John offered Suzette a job to nurse his elder father while they traveled the world. Oh, right. That sounds like a great job. It I'd be like, sounds oh, like okay. you would die quickly because you were really in on that job. I mean, they were talking for months. I'm sure at this point she oh. was like, I trust you, kind of, maybe. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. But after, so, no after this me. job offer, she was like, okay, well, I'm going to fly out to Kansas. Kansas. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet your dad and just make sure this is the right step for me. She got there and he was like, I don't have a dad. No. He convinced co-workers and friends to act as his family. Oh my God. And at the end of the trip, Suzette moved to Kansas to start her new job. I mean, if you were to like, if you were like, hey, Destiny, will you come act like you're my cousin? And just, these are the attributes you need to have. I'd be like, oh, why? Yeah, but I haven't done anything weird. And so you maybe might I would probably do it, it. but I'd also ask a lot of fucking questions. Yes, yes. And then also you probably tell like 10 people that you're doing it for me. So like, it's just. There's no secrets. I I could could probably name all 10 of them right now. (laughs) I'm like, Ronica. I'm like, Veronica's being real sketch right now. Yeah. Um, this is what's happening. Can I if- just tell you, this is gonna, I've said this before in a different podcast. I'm gonna say it right now. If I come to you with that request, say yes, go to the police, tell them something's weird, and then continue to do what you're gonna do for me. Because I need to be, have the police called on me. <laughs> I am losing it. Yes. So JR ended up keeping Suzette in a hotel and said that he was finishing up some work before they were going to head out um, and they would continue. So for a couple weeks this was going on, they would have their BDSM relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, They took pictures and Suzette would write a close friend, Crystal, and tell her all about the activities. I was like, just. What like, I, this is what we're doing. This yeah. is who I'm with. Like, these are all the activities we're doing. <laughs> That's so strange that she was telling her. Oh, no, me. and then she'd send pictures. But they were in this whole BDSM thing together, so maybe oh, right, it right, was right. more just so, open. Like, here's, she, so she's adventuring through it. She's telling her friend, here's my adventure. How's yours going? Yes. Okay. So on March 1st, the emails started to change a little bit. Suzette would strictly just write about how great her life was now, never like, mentioning the past or anything along those lines and how her boss and her master oh made her life so amazing and started signing her name as just Suze. Okay, so he if I ever start going to like just as Des as Des, I only go by that to certain people in my life. What if you were like Destin? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not me. <laughs> Call the police. Destin is not here. Destin. (laughs) Um, The worst name. Jesus. It's like almost Destin. Yeah, no. (laughs) But it's Destin. Destin. I'm like, Trav, we've got some places. we got to call the cops right now. (laughs) Alex killed Destiny. You like drunkenly accidentally send that to me one night i'll be like we gotta call the cops right now (laughs) something is wrong (laughs) um so one day crystal started getting messages from a man named jt uh-oh. He Justin was, Timberlake was not. It was big not yet. Justin Timberlake. And yeah. he wanted to be her master. She was she indulged in the conversation, shortly realizing though that JT seemed to write exactly like the new Suze had started to write. 
so they so started. This is a very okay. So they started talking on the phone and emailing. And when JT gave her multiple numbers to contact him at, like work number, home number, whatever, Crystal asked her police officer friend to trace them. And they all tied back to John Robinson. Dude, good job, Crystal. I know. I was like, oh, I like you. Yeah. So John ended up calling Suzette's mom, claiming she had run off with another man and he was so disappointed in her. Have you heard from her? Like, I was paying her to do this, all this work for me, and now she's gone with some guy. So just played it really well. Yes. So just it, it, whatever, whatever he uses, I'm going to assume, in the court of law, that all of these people just... Whatever that charm is that he just, he must switch into gear. He just has the charming manipulation. Yeah. Down to a science. Mm-hmm. So her family went straight to the police, though. Good. Knowing that was not like their daughter. Their daughter wouldn't take off and leave and just, they she wouldn't do that. Especially without contacting them. Right. So John continued to talk to Crystal and eventually was contacted, um, Crystal was contacted by a detective due to her friendship with Sue's in the connection and how she had gone missing because her parents had... Eventually, they're doing real deep investigating. Exactly. So, she started telling them about the emails she received from, quote, Sue's, and the emails from TJ that were very similar. The police decided to monitor these conversations and continue their investigation. They found that women were pretty consistently checked into rooms that were paid for by John Robinson, so there's a few different hotels that he regulated, and that a receptionist remembered making a copy of a BDSM contract. Oh. And a receptionist at a hotel? Yes. Well, she was... well she's just there printing for them. Yes. Yeah. So, but and... that is a contract that you're like, this is not... Well, apparently it caught her very off. She was like, what? what? Of course it would, because you know, if you're somebody printing stuff out, you're not like, honestly... These are tickets to the nearest theme park. I this feel like is... if I worked at a hotel, I was, would not be that surprised by that. I'd be like, meh makes sense oh i guess for a hotel but still you you'd note it i would definitely if you're printing out like what are those five details what's your safe word banana (laughs) banana it's like businessmen coming in for work and you're printing out all their stuff for them you're like boring boring bdsm this is like it's something you note. yeah definitely um so but specifically in one of the rooms that he had stayed in there was blood residue okay so that changes everything Except for they couldn't tie it back to anything. So So maybe he just happened to stay in a hotel room that potentially another murder took place in. I mean, possibly. Yeah, but so I mean, they probably not. Yes, (laughs) but they don't really know that much at this point. So the police were contacted by one of the women he had a BDSM relationship with. He had promised to help her move. um, Because he was like, "I want you to move closer to me. I want to bring you into my life." And he had taken pictures of her that she was trying to get back. So that's why she called the cops. She was like, he has these pictures of me. I don't want him to have them. Good. Um, but She's he kind of went, be... like, blacklight. Like, he was gone. Okay. He stopped contacting her. So the detective contacted the FBI about recent activity. He was ghosting her. And <laughs> at this point found out that the FBI was investigating him for prostitution and slavery. That is so much more than just a brothel. I mean, it. <laughs> Yes, no. Yes. So when another police report was made claiming John had been more aggressive and disregarded the safe word that they had deg- like agreed on, um, and he started to be forceful and took pictures she did not agree to, the police decided to arrest him in fear that he was getting more dangerous. Good. 
Good. So he's just in an area that the police are finally doing something. Yeah, they're just, I mean, I don't understand what took them so long. I mean, it I, It does, I, I do know, not that, but I do know that when it comes to BDSM, it is something that they have to, like, look at because it, I mean it's legal because and there's a line people, that could yeah. be crossed frequently so I mean easily it's a line that could go from this is what we're into uh oh this is not what I'm into anymore and so that's something that they do have to hone in on yeah unfortunately more than apparently embezzlement and I don't know a brothel somewhere <laughs> and a but, brothel. but at least at some point someone noticed it's something. okay we're coming to an end i'm so mad <laughs> so on june 2nd 2000 so this is 2000 Good. so this has been going Good. on for a decade year. almost no like more like it started in like 83 oh 83 83 i'm still back at 94 so yeah, yeah. so because women started mi- disappearing in the 80s before that yeah so this oh, has I'm been going so on for so long but john on June 2nd, 2000, was arrested for aggravated sexual battery. Oh, that's it? <laughs> I'm yes. sorry, I'm still mad. So <laughs> the fo- was arrested. <laughs> so the following day, detectives and forensic investigators started sifting through a farm Robinson had owned. And this is what got me, is I'm doing this whole entire thing. So he owned this home mm-hmm. that his family resided in. She's still there. She is still his wife. Wait. She, he still has a wife. This whole entire time, she's had a wife. What? And she's like not mentioned anywhere throughout any of this. And then it's like, oh, and then. I'm like, she? Who? What? <laughs> His huh? wife was brought in for questioning. And I'm like, so he's bringing all of these girls to Kansas, like bringing them like in these hotels around him and everything like that. And she's just like, oh, it's fine. My farm is fine. I'm fine. He is going on business all the time. So while searching the property, the detectives found multiple large barrels. When they found two naked bodies in those barrels, uh, and then they acquired a search warrant for his storage. He had two storage lockers. Of course he did. And they found three additional barrels oh. with three additional decomposing women in them. My God. He was then being charged um, in two different states for the murders of five women. And after a hundred witnesses, including his wife, who said, I knew he was having affairs and was into the BDSM lifestyle, but I didn't know he had fucking dead bodies in the house which is duh like but i also like how yeah also how yeah you know you're right um Uh, yeah yeah so they found these bodies everything like that and there's some like gory details like where they found they picked up one of the barrels they saw a shoe they picked it up and realized there was a fucking leg attached to the shoe and they're like okay back in the barrel yeah back in the get this out of here kind of thing and where oh yeah so i just in like in proximation to where their house is, where the barrels were found, what was she doing? Maybe she was gone a lot. Maybe she was having her own affairs. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it was I a just... larger property. It was a farm. Like, I saw a picture of it. There, Maybe it was in the shed because there was a bigger shed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure exactly where these barrels were. But I know t- three of them were in lockers. I will say, at one point in my life, my grandma... Okay, I'm not <laughs> unrelated. My grandma and her husband owned 10 acres. And there was parts of that place that we would go to as kids very very rarely but we were out in the forest and there was a meadow and there was a there was a part out there that my grandma had never been to which i need to, i'm only using this as a comparison yeah yeah <laughs> but there was like a big hill so like if i think about it, if you wanted to get like a real mother she never would have known so like eh. now it's like me it's making i'll, sense I'll get like on a quad and i'll be like riding around my whole entire 10 acres to make sure 
that there's no dead bodies and yeah. Alex isn't a secret serial killer. No, for sure do. And also, just like to be safe, dig holes wherever you need to. I am not implying that anyone I know is like, I'm just saying, like, when you said that, the first thing that came to mind was, whoa, they lived on a big property. My grandma never went down past that meadow area. There was no way she never, like, I did though, so I can confirm there was nothing dead over there because there was a lot of, a lot of holes dug and whatnot. All I'm saying is, maybe that's how. I mean, yeah. It I, was big, I big. honestly, I saw the picture. The property wasn't that big. I don't know how oh. she did. She missed it. Okay, never It mind. was maybe like an acre. Oh. Yeah, so it was not that huge. She um, was gone a lot too then, I bet. Or, I mean, she was just tending to their kids. She knew that he was having affairs and like these BDSM relationships. So she knew, like, I'm sure that he was doing the hotels and getting his he own. He had money. He gave her things. Yeah. And maybe but that's all. I don't know. But maybe not. She seemed to be very naive to the whole situation. And but... he seems to be like pretty good at manipulating people yeah that's very true needs to be said so uh, overall on october 28th 2002 after 11 hours of deliberation the jury found this guy guilty and what i will note so he was sentenced to death but what i will note is that they he was sentenced to death in one state the other state he took a plea bargain because two of the bodies um that I already spoke about them earlier, but two uh-huh. of the bodies at that time were dr- Jane Doe's. Oh, so they were non-confirmed, like they yeah. they were unidentified. So he con- he confirmed those were the ones that he I was like, yep. And therefore, he took a plea bargain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Ugh. finally, in two thousand five, after forty one years, Nancy filed for divorce. Oh, so good. I for have one her? part of the story that's a little crazy. So they found like um, as if the rest of okay. was not. Yeah. So they found basically crazy? everybody I talked about. But if you remember, the second girl, Lisa, had a daughter. With a daughter, yes. He made fake papers. Uh huh. He literally adopted her daughter to his brother and sister-in-law. Okay. And so How she old was grew the up. Uh-huh. She was a baby because okay. the mom was only nineteen. She was a baby, so she grew up as his niece. <gasps> but she's done. Ugh. And there's been, like, a lot of lawsuits where she's, like, sued him and things like that, and it's just gotten uh, crazy. I mean, yes, obviously. But isn't that insane? So, the second person did want to adopt her child that was young, or maybe he forced her, do we know? No, the second person uh-huh. was, oh, the, you're saying, I just did she want to, like, uh-huh. adopt her child out? I don't no, know. Confirm it. Okay. So did they, they know where the mom went? The mom's dead. Okay, I was just So, all sure. the women okay. that went missing are dead. Are dead, okay. So, okay, okay. she adopted like he adopted that little girl from mm-hmm. the second woman who right. was dead to his brother brother oh my god what the fart man isn't that crazy <laughs> i hate him so much at least he didn't kill her uh yeah except that he killed her mom but at least he didn't kill her at uh, least somebody lived uh, destiny's being positive for one time <laughs> in our entire lives <laughs> rude <we>? ass <laughs> I'm positive all the time. She's always positive, guys. But, yeah, that was mine. But that's it. We're done. That's it. Okay. That's it. Who's he's, the tiny picture dead. down here? Which? Oh, that's the mom. That's like, oh my gosh. So that's the. I Lisa. sent her a picture of one of the victims. Yeah. And it's the mom. She's, it's just been sitting here smiling at me beautifully. That woman is gorgeous. She's beautiful. There is a very beautiful one smiling at me who's dead now, and he took her daughter and gave it to his brother, and I hate him. And they had nothing, they had no idea. 
just throwing it out there. They thought that it was all legit. Like, legit adoption. Yeah, that, like, oh, my brother can help me find a baby and things like that. They were stoked about it. Yeah, but he killed her. And so then... And took her child. Yeah, so what did he do with the child? Well, I mean, while he's like, did he show up at his brother's house? Hey, um, emergency adoption. I mean, he might have took it. I don't know if the wife was maybe knew about it. Because it was only... It it was very quickly after that he gave the child to them. I hate all of it. I'm so mad. I hate him and his stupid glasses. Okay, so Destiny has a really bad habit of sending pictures. And by bad habit, I mean I we send each other pictures. That's what we're supposed to do. I have a bad habit of opening your emails, and while you're telling me the story, I just stare at them Stare the at the humans. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I learned my lesson because I did that, and then I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And I'm literally sitting with my hand in front of the screen, like, I don't want to look at this guy's face. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't click out of it the whole time, and I'm mad at him a lot. Yeah, he's a douchebag. It's bad. It's bad, guys. Um, that was a good story, I guess. A lot of emotions. Yeah. Well, um, if you're still here, which honestly, I wish I could have tuned out. <laughs> I'm just so mad at him. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Just being I rude. Just say rude comments at the end of our podcast now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I hate us. No, I just, I'm mad at him. I wish I could have fought him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I could have been some sort of judge in his path <laughs> somebody that's like yeah you jerk. should probably go to jail dude yeah it's just it's a fr- it's one of those frustrating stories that happens for too long it's yeah. just one of those long ugh. those are the worst and i was uh-huh. reading this and i was like oh she's gonna hate i hate the i hate the ones yeah. that drag on for a long time i was like that, she's gonna hate this yeah yeah you know you know i do I don't know why. It's like me in a cold case. Yeah. You can't stand when it's like good behavior yeah. or this person's getting off. Uh, yes. Now you know. Now you know. I think also um, mine technically is a cold case. So like. Yeah. It pisses me off. We did it right back at each other. And, Touché, uh, bitch. If you're still here while well, we're mad at each other at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hanging out the whole time. Yeah. We really appreciate you going through our banter with us. Yeah. We really do. Honestly, like a lot more than probably, you know, and also if you have not already, please. Okay. Two things we've decided. We need to shout out some people who left us some stars. Yes. Well, let's start with Rod Snow, whoever you are, Rod Snow, who commented on our Apple podcast. Thank you. We appreciate it. Killing it. I did get it. That was a funny joke. You're the best. (laughs) Wow. So um, you guys have a new relationship that I'm unaware of because I don't even know what the joke was. I missed it. I just saw comments. That's, I just, you'll have to go back and look at it, but I appreciate you, Rod. Thank you, Rod Snow. Um, Thank you, Tyler Conklin, for sending us a message like we asked. Apparently, she sent us that star. She sent us the extra star. Yes. Um, And then also, Aaron Bates did send us some stars too afterwards. Thank you for that. And also, thank you for the people that just message us regularly. Like, you know who you are. We appreciate you. Thanks for staying in contact. And if you are somebody, um, we always ask you if you have any stories, send them to our Gmail. But honestly, the way that we connect the most, what we've realized is if you have anything that you want us to cover, um, yes, if you follow us on either of our personal um, accounts, that's fine. But send us um, a message or a direct message on Instagram. We respond to those super fast. We get those and um, we would like to kind of, we really would like to start covering stories that you guys send us. So send those um, at 
any of these places, but preferably Instagram because that's where we just keep a lot of um, communication going. But Crime Wives Podcast <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, that's where you can connect with us anywhere. And then, of course, if you want to, um, if if that if n- none of those work for you, crimewivespodcast at gmail.com is another great place to send us recommendations or if you just want to connect with us, if you would like to tell us a critique or something that you don't like or that you do like or that, I don't know, what are you doing? It's anything. Yeah, like um, we got a comment from the other week that said, you know, you might have got a lot of flack from your episode where you drink a little bit too much. But I liked it. So here's a little positivity for the flack that you did get. So, I mean, either or, we appreciate it. We like to know what you guys like to hear. Yeah. She, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because what she said. We definitely know. We knew when we put it out. We're like, oh, we recorded drunk. We shouldn't have done that. But then we're like, we're literally just doing what we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're just having a good time over here. Yeah. We hope you appreciate it. And if you don't, we're sorry. Come back. Listen to us. We're still going to cover good stories. And I'm pretty sure at that, on that note, I think we're good. Yeah, thanks for listening to us, guys. Crime Wives out.